All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are officially back after a three-week hiatus here on the Bama Factor with Alex Taylor and Cody Saxon. I'm your host, as always, Alex Taylor, with my good friend and co-host, Cody Saxon. Cody, how are you this evening? I'm good, buddy. Uh, glad to be back. Uh, I'm very excited to talk about some of the stuff we got to talk about, especially after not having talked about it on this podcast in a while, so I am ready. I'm ready as well. We're just going to jump right into it. Um, obviously, a lot's taken place ever since our last one. Obviously, we were talking basketball. Um, Alabama's run, unfortunately, ended in the, the Sweet 16 against the Aztecs. San Diego State, who ended up going to the Final Four. Um, but, you know, hats off to a great season um, for Alabama. Hopefully, that continues uh, with Coach Oates and the Crimson Tide, but we're here to talk about football again, something we hadn't talked about uh, since uh, early January, since the Sugar Bowl, so happy to be getting into uh, the football talk again. So we're just going to uh, talk just a bit about spring practice and uh, preview A-Day this Saturday, uh, that kind of ends spring. Uh, so we're just kind of go over spring practice recap. Uh, you know, I've been keeping up with it uh, uh, the past, you know, month, ever since Alabama started practicing, and, and uh, there's been a lot to keep up with. Uh, so, I think first and foremost, you know, something that we talked about, you know, during the um, Sugar Bowl episode, uh, as we recap that, uh, you know, was the quarterback battle. You know, obviously Bryce has gone on to the NFL. Uh, he'll be participating in the NFL draft next week. And and um, uh, so now it's down to Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson. And, uh, you know, from what I've heard uh, this spring, you know, looking at practice footage and, you know, kind of looking at um, just kind of what some of the sources have been saying uh, it seems like uh, this right now there's no really clear-cut guy yet, but that each guy is improving. Uh, they still have areas to improve in. But from what I've heard is that Jalen Milrose improved his pocket presence um, over last year, especially, you know, kind of what we saw in the Texas A&M game, and that Ty has improved using his feet. And, you know, when pass protection breaks, um, he's really good at improvising and kind of doing what Bryce did and just using his feet and he's able to scramble out of the pocket. So, Cody, what's your thoughts on how these two have improved and what do you think you need to see in the 8 day game going forward from each of these guys to kind of uh, have one of these guys separate themselves from the- Yeah, for sure. So I think it's weird uh, how they're both improving and what the other one specializes in. That is something that I've noticed. Um, I, th- I just think that uh, seeing composure under like an organized – I mean, I know it's pretty much like a scrimmage, essentially what A-Day is, but I think that uh, seeing their composure uh, with defensive pressure in front of a crowd is going to be a big thing. Um, I know they know that there's not a whole lot on the line except for the possible starting position. So I think that will motivate them to play well. Uh, I'm just excited to see them both. Uh, I do like – I like you said, I do hope that Amaro continues to improve his presence in the pocket as well as – um, you know, time proving as a runner, both of them balancing out as players. Either way, I'm still uh, – y'all heard me months ago. I'm still putting my chips on Milrow. I think that uh, potentially moving forward he might be the better option. But I'm open to watch these performances and see how they do. I'm also uh, pretty on that. Like, uh, I'm still kind of up in the air about, you know – who I think will get it. So I'm going to give my two cents on what I think is going to happen in the QB battle. One of two things is going to happen. We're going to see kind of what we saw in some other spring games for some other schools this past week where a clear QB one separates themselves from the rest of the pack. 
Um, so either this Saturday we're going to see either Jalen or Ty really create some separation from the other one going into the fall, and we may have a clear answer Saturday to say, like, hey, they've established yourself based on their performance in the A-Day game. Or what's going to happen is we're going to see each guy play very well or or maybe not so well in the A-Day game and not really know. But what I think is going to happen is it'll go into fall camp. We start off the season with, with uh, I think, MTSU, so Middle Tennessee. You're going to see Jalen Milrow trot out there on the first possession. He's going to play a few possessions, then Ty's going to come in. And you're going to see those guys swap the entire game. But by week two against Texas, high, more key game early in the season, just like last year, you're going to have your guy. Like, you're going to have your guy who knows. And if one guy starts and he doesn't play well and the other guy comes in and he saves the day, there's your QB1. So that's my take on the quarterback battle. That's what I think is one of the two things that could potentially happen. I kind of want to see what you think could potentially happen. Yeah, I agree. I think that that's a possibility. Um, I kind of hope for it to be sorted out by then. Um, but if not, yeah, that's definitely a possibility. I think Texas being early on, the team's going to be tested. Um, not beyond their ability, of course, but uh, especially for those two roles uh, or those two players filling the same role. I think it'll be a test. Um, whoever whoever ends up taking the taking the field that day and guiding that team, I, like you said, I think that if, if it is still up in the air at that point, that would secure that position for sure. I agree entirely um, as well because just really seeing how these guys have improved this spring because, you know, there have been improvements of each of these guys and just kind of how you said, um, you know, these guys have improved in the other one's specialty. And, I mean, you know, Ty's improved running the ball, which is what Jalen specializes in. And then you have Jalen improving in pocket presence, which is kind of what, you know, we know Ty for. Uh, so, Either way, I I, um, I mean, I definitely think that, you know, it'll go one of two ways and, and, you know, we'll really get to see, you know, which way it will go eventually. But I definitely hope we get some answers in the 8A game for sure. Yeah, sorry. But outside of that, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, I agree. But now we're going to move into the uh, second part that we have. Um, so the quarterback battle is obviously a huge thing. Um, Caleb Downs, he is the real deal. And um, it seems that he has really started to, I would say, separate himself on being safety one as far as that goes. And, you know, you got Malachi Moore on the other side. You've got um, – you've got uh, Christian Story who's competing. You've got – trying to think of some of those. Traquan Fagans uh, just entered the transfer portal. So – Maybe that's really saying that Caleb Downs is 
that good. And, you know, Saban's even talked about him. You know, he's ran with the first team. And um, then he's also uh, really just impressed the team overall. So I think ultimately, I think Caleb Downs, I said he was going to be starting and seems like he is. So. Yeah, man, definitely uh, been performing well uh, from what we have. The little little that I have seen, I'm sure you've seen a little bit more in depth, but uh, that maturity and that growth is something we love to see in a player, regardless of, you know, the the income, like the outcome of, you know, who secures a, you know, number one spot, the impact it's going to have on the team just to continue that growth is going to be impressive. It's going to, it's going to make an impression and it's going to make an impact on the game uh, overall. It's going to better the team for it. So that's all we can ask. Oh, I agree entirely. And just really getting to see, uh, you know, we saw a short clip of him uh, in the clip that I posted on the page. And, you know, he made a very good play uh, on the ball against one of the taller tight ends that we have. And and uh, just seeing, you know, the skills that he possesses on the ball. And I'm excited to see him Saturday. Like he's one of the guys that I put on some of the players to really watch Saturday. If y'all um uh, haven't checked that post out, uh, go ahead and check that one out. I've got about seven or eight offensive guys to keep an eye on, a little more guys on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but outside of that, um, Caleb Downs is definitely a guy to watch. He's impressing the team. He's very mature. He's still supposed to be in high school. I mean, like, that's the thing. The dude hadn't even graduated high school yet. So, I mean, and the fact that he's already potentially could be a freshman All-American in Alabama. So, I mean, um, the only thing I'm going to say to the Tide fans is uh, we better enjoy the three years we have him because that's all he's staying is three years. Yeah, dude, you can't expect you can't expect somebody of that caliber uh, to 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 outlast that. Absolutely, and then the final guy who I just really want to talk about, who I'm so excited about, and Cody, I know you're going to love this because you are a you are just a connoisseur of this position. Justice Haynes is pushing for the RB one spot. I mean, so when you think Alabama football, you really think of two things. First thing that comes to your mind is you really think of the defense because, you know, we've always had lead defenses going back to the days of Terrence Cody, Rolando McLean, Javier Arenas, Dante Hightower, Drake Kirkpatrick. Then, you know, you had guys like C.J. Mosley, Reuben Foster, Eddie Jackson, all these guys, and you've had just a ton of greats on that side of the ball. But then you also think of the tailbacks. You started off with Ingram, Heisman, Trent, good compliment to him. He – then was a finalist for the Heisman. Eddie Pacey, Kenyon Drake, Derek Henry won the Heisman. You had Najee Harris. You had um, a Damian Harris. You had TJ Yeldon, um, just Brian Robinson, Jameer Gibbs last year. I mean, so you've got that position. So that is a, a position that you need to live up to, that you have to fill those shoes every year. And Justice Haynes being a five-star tailback from this past recruiting cycle – coming in already and having two great scrimmages and he's had a great spring overall. He's cut, he's lean, he is college ready. Also another guy who hasn't graduated high school yet. Like just hard runner from what I've seen in footage as well. And the fact that he's pushing Jace for RB1 and even saving saying he's going to be in the rotation this year. So I think that speaks volumes on the tailback room we have right now. And Richard Young, the other tailback, is not even there yet. Yeah, dude. The depth is already coming together as far as we are looking to have quite the rotation. And it is going to be that, exactly, a rotation. 
I don't think there's anybody you can predict at this point going to have more touches than the other guys. And I'm fine with that. If we got four guys all getting 10 touches apiece throughout the game, that's just fine with me. Uh, but this guy, yeah, like you said, man, he's he's showing out and uh, starting to look really promising going in. Like you said, this is a uh, running back legacy team. This is where all of the best play. And, and if not all of them, at least most of them. So uh, to have a name up there potentially with those other guys, uh, hopefully he's motivated for this guy to contribute to the team and continue perfecting his craft. And, you know, I think it's really big because, you know, Jace and Hordell are both seniors this year, so they will go in the NFL draft next year. So this guy, if he's already pushing for time here, you know, you're looking at a guy who is not going to really have to sit back a year and not really get a lot of touches. You might have a guy who comes in and he may be the starter. He may be pushing for a big spot in the rotation to get touches. And I think with Tommy Reese, our new OC, and we're going to talk about him just a little bit more in the second segment, Tommy Reese loves to run the football. And we've obviously seen that evident when he was with the Irish. Um, He loves to get back to the old school way of just pounding the rock over and over and over again. And you got to have good tailbacks to do that. And I think last year, three Notre Dame tailbacks had over – 60 carries, if I'm not mistaken. And I know one of them ran for over a thousand yards. I think one of them ran for like 700 and another one ran for like 480. I mean, so you're talking about three guys. And like, I know when you look at that, oh, 480 yards isn't a ton, but if, but if that's your third string guy who ran for 480 and your second string ran for over 700 and then your first string over, over, I think it was 1100. That's impressive. Like, especially with the talent discrepancy between the Irish and the Crimson Tide. I mean, so now that he's got four, potentially five guys who he can use, I wouldn't be surprised that when Young gets there, that he will be a part, that you'll see Jace, Rordell, Justice Haynes, Jamarian Miller, and Young all get carries throughout the year and all be using this offense. And if you can rotate three four, potentially five guys, what defense in America is going to be able to stop that? Yeah, dude, we thought we think about all the deadly duos we've had. Just imagine a deadly, you know, four, deadly five. I'm excited, man. I mean, it's going to be great. I'm excited to see Justice Haynes on Saturday. I think you'll see him with the twos to start out, but then I think he's going to work his way in with a first team. I would love to see him behind that first team offensive line who we're also going to get to a little bit later as well. But um, we're going to jump into the second segment. This is something that I've been really wanting to talk about on this um, preview show. Um, The reestablishing of the Bama factor, pretty much the it factor, the culture at Alabama. Um, Saban was on a talk show the other day and he talked about, um, they asked him what he had really been focusing on in the off season. Um, You know, you hire two new coordinators, offensive and defensive, you know, you you use um you know you lose some guys to the transfer portal prior to the sugar bowl but it wasn't necessarily a horrible thing you reel in the number one recruiting class that's always good um you've had some other transfers come in really make a very good impact early um so outside of that um, he he was talking about what he really focused on, and he said he's actually reading an old Chinese book about establishing culture and not only establishing it but maintaining that culture. And a thing that he said that just got me fired up is he said, 
another team, which he was referring to Georgia, has had success the last two years at having success with that culture. And it's our time to go take it back. And, man, that got me ready to run through a brick wall because I said Saban is back. He never left. But, like, that mentality of this team is coming back. The it factor is coming back. The culture has to be reestablished. And I think bringing in these two guys who we're fixing to talk about is a big part of that. And, I mean, hey, he said, hey, they've done it for two years, but that's what we created. He said, it's time to take back what we own already. And, ooh, man, that's a, ooh, I mean, ooh, I get fired up. Yeah, man. It's just imagine when all, all you know, everything's firing on all cylinders and everything is cohesive in that culture of just dominance, that culture of uh, unity, the culture of loyalty, uh, all the things that we know is a, is a, is makes the Bama factor, you know, that makes Alabama set apart. Uh, if it can get dialed in on all of those and really, really build a culture around what, what Alabama, what the Alabama we've known, just strengthen that culture. Uh, dude, unstoppable. Indeed. And I mean, like, just really, when he said that, you know, I think about what, you know, David Pollock said at halftime of the championship game when Saban was sitting literally right next to him. And he said, yeah, Georgia has taken over college football. They're the new standard. They're the new Kings. And uh, David Pollock, I don't know if he had like a death wish or something like that, or if he, uh, or if he didn't know that Saban was sitting beside him, but <clears throat> you know, Saban's going to be playing that and relaying that to the whole team. Um this whole year. And, and, you know, that's, that's when you really look at people jumping to the conclusion. Yeah. Georgia's had two good seasons and yeah, they've won. And yeah, they've won two titles in a row, but like we do have to reestablish our culture and kind of leading into that Tommy Reese and Kevin Steele have already been contributing to upholding that standard. I mean, Tommy Reese, I heard on the first day of spring practice, chewed out Ty Simpson beyond belief. And that's something we never saw from O'Brien. We never saw O'Brien get in somebody's grill. We never saw him scream at somebody. Like We never saw him get up right in their face and just, I mean, just absolutely just go after somebody. And Kevin Steele's the same way. You know, even Malachi, I think it was uh, Malachi Moore was on Hey Coach um, yesterday. And he said, um, Coach Steele says that he is upholding the standard and he's holding us accountable to uphold the standard as well because he knows the standard that Coach Saban sets. And he says, so it's all about us upholding the standard and playing to the standard that we did not play to the last two years. And it's time to get that back. And I think Tommy Reese coming in from a other school already kind of grasp hold of the standard, but Kevin still being with Coach Saban before being his first defensive coordinator in 2007 and then being an inside linebacker coach in 2014 and 15 and 16, you know, he already knows the standard. He already knows what the precept is for this team. So having a guy that has came back into a system that he already knows by heart probably and he knows the standard and the culture that is to be upheld. I think that was the was the was one of the largest hires you could have made this whole offseason in terms for the Crimson Tide, in my opinion. 
I agree, man. I think we talked potentially about the uh, the shift that they would cause uh, bringing back the standard and, and, and both the guys really. Uh, the difference they would make compared to where we were in the la- in the previous seasons, specifically last season, we saw multiple weapons fail to get used. We saw uh, just overall, it seemed like laziness. It seemed like lack of passion. And the coaches coming in, these new guys coming in and commanding respect, not demanding it. They don't just say, "Hey, you got to respect me." Their presence makes their their value and their impact and their authority known. That's what it's going to take, and that's going to shift the culture back, like you said and the impact it's going to make on the team. Hopefully these are leaders that the players will want to play for. You know what you're doing. You know what you're saying. We're going to follow you, and you lead us, and and we'll play to the utmost of our ability. And if that's the case, this team's going to be unstoppable. I hope these guys bring that and continue to show the the impact that they're going to I hope they do as well. And I think – and this kind of just really wraps up this segment here, but, you know, he also brought back HaHa Clinton Dix as – you know, the director of player personnel, like literally director of player personnel. So he is literally the director over how these guys perform, getting them in a mindset of this is how you're um, judged on your performance. This is what we expect you to do. And this is how we're going to get you to that. And I think bringing back a player and I might add a very successful player in the Saban system who went first round in the NFL, had a great NFL career, NFL All-Pro. I mean, um, great safety, All-American at Alabama, uh, was a part of, you know, the 2012 championship team, um, you know, the 2014 playoff semifinal team. You know, you look at the success he had, and now he's coming back as a coach, and he's giving back to these guys what he already has learned and instilling – that standard and that culture in them. And now I think that's huge that Saban's bringing back former players who say like, hey, we got to reestablish the standard. We got to teach these younger guys, these newer age guys about the standard that we built, that the, like the standard we set. Because guys like Ha Clint Dix, guys like a, like a Scarborough or a Reuben Foster or, you know, an Eddie Jackson, guys like that, they built the standard. They built the culture there at Alabama. They don't want to see everything they sacrifice for go down the drain. They would love to teach that on the guys, and I admire them for that, and I'm excited to have him on, on the staff again, and I think you're going to see a lot of shift in the way they think this year than they did in the last two years. Yeah, dude, uh, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, you're spot on, man. I think that the shift is is, is he's going to bring it, man. And I think that I mean you summed it up pretty much pretty pretty well. I mean it's amazing. So I mean I'm very excited for that and just the reestablishing of the culture. Um, but we're going to jump into our final segment and we're just going to preview the A Day game. Uh, so obviously A Day every year, uh, A Day this Saturday, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Bryant Denny Stadium, two o'clock. Uh, for those of you that can't make it, it will be on ESPN Plus, SEC Network Plus. Um, if you don't want to pay for it, um, catch some highlights on YouTube afterwards. That's all I can say. Um, I hate that it's on there, but Colorado and Coach Prime's debut is on ESPN that night, so they got the primetime slot, but it is what it is. Um, but it basically just gives the fans an opportunity to look at the 2023 team. Um, 
So um, it's going to give us kind of a good picture of, you know, what's to come this year. Um, but the thing I really am excited about talking about, the offensive line, they, in practice, from what I've seen, from what I've heard from Coach Saban, from what I've heard from some of the guys on the line, they are absolutely ferocious again. They are just downright brutal again. And from what I've heard from Saban, they're setting the leadership attitude of the whole team. I mean, they are they are leading the team. J.C. Latham, Tyler Booker, Seth McLaughlin. Um, there's a um, – True freshman Caden Proctor, who was the number one offensive tackle in the country, pushing for a starting job on that line at a guard position. You have former five-star Elijah Pritchett pushing for the other tackle position. But J.C. Latham and Tyler Booker spoke to the media the other day, and they said, J.C. said something that just gets me excited. He said, we want to put fear in the other team every game this year. He said, you will count on that. He says, we want to instill fear in every single team we play. And that's what Saban said in his intro press conference when he was hired at Alabama. He says, I want to create the type of football team that they stand there and say, I hate playing against these guys. And that's what I think the offensive line is creating this year. We have some very strong, big, ferocious, downright junkyard, like dog, take you to the woodshed guys. And, I'm excited because, I mean, Cody, you know this as well as anybody. You said this on this podcast prior to this, I think a lot last season. A game is won and lost in the trenches, and you are so right on that. So I just want to see what you think about hearing our offensive line is returning to that elite form and that aggressive, ferocious form again. Well, yeah, man. I think that – let me just go ahead and say this. I think that offensive linemen – are the first people to get blamed and the last people to get credit. Um, almost always. It's, 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 oh, the holes, they weren't covered, they weren't everything. It's just always, to, always to blame, but never to credit. So automatically, the fact that these guys got this mentality, I think it's just showing that that's not going to be a problem this year. We're going to know who's responsible for opening the gaps for Holt. Let's, I hope for the most success, but that ferocity and that aggression in the trenches, you got to have that. And there's been times where that's been lacking. We saw, I mean, we saw Bryce last year having to move. Where was the, where was the aggression to move them back? He shouldn't have been pushed back as much as he was. Moving forward, if they got that aggressive mentality, that ruthless aggression, uh, it's, it's a scary day for a lot of those guys that they're going to be going up. Oh, I agree entirely. And um, on the other side of the offense, somebody else I'm very excited about, and I actually I did a post on this uh, last week. The wide receiver group this year is going to be very fun. You know, last year we went into it, uh, you know, with Jermaine Burton coming in from Georgia. High hopes for him. He kind of underperformed, but then as the season went on, he kicked it on towards the end of the season. Tyler Harrell never got healthy never broke into the rotation, and he transferred out. Uh, Treshawn Holding was a letdown from the beginning, um, did a lot of talking, um, not a lot of playing. And uh, some younger guys had to step up last year, and they did. But this year, you know, having Benson come in from Hutchinson, who has made some serious noise 
in spring practice. I heard in the first scrimmage he caught three touchdown passes. In the second scrimmage he caught two more. Said he is a downfield threat. He is – I mean, he was the number one JUCO player in the country. Um, so, obviously, obviously you have uh, him. Then you have, obviously, Tremaine Burton. Um, I think he's going to build off of a strong second half of the season. Coming to this season, his senior year really – make some serious noise this year. Then you have Ja'Cory Brooks, who we know is capable, who's a junior now. And then you have Isaiah Bond, who not just saying this because he has the same jersey number as this guy, but I think he might be the next Jalen Waddell. Um, He's fast. He's the smaller guy, but he kind of flies under the radar. But can we talk about something? You got Brooks – Burton, Benson, and Bond. You got the four Bs. That sounds like a law firm you don't want to go to. <laughs> That's right, dude. I mean, I mean, and I saw somebody comment and say those are the killer Bs. Just call them the killer Bs. And I said, you know what? That's I said that's a good nickname for them. I said the killer Bs. I said that's I said that's pretty good. But honestly, I thought the person who said it sounds like a law firm you don't want to go to, like. Dude, I mean that's good. Like just the four Bs, man. Like I know we had Triple B a few years ago. But now we got four of the bees, man. I mean, but I think seeing those guys, I think those four right there are, are I mean, I think that's your next Judy Ruggs, Smith, and Jalen Waddle type of core. Yeah, dude, I hope so. And like I said, the same thing kind of going back to what we were talking about, the running game. It, with that kind of rotation uh, and that kind of versatility, it, it's going to be hard for any defense to be able to keep up if there's that much loaded talent. So I hope they all perform to the standard that we're starting to see and set for them. I hope they do too. And, and, um, but one guy I really want to talk about in this group, and I didn't say um, him when I was talking about the other guys, but it's somebody that I've really heard a lot of good things about this spring and seen footage of, I've seen how he's, I mean, he is bulked up, he's shredded and that's Kendrick law. And, Kendrick Law kind of had a quiet season, quiet freshman season last year, but he was big in a lot of games last year. If you go back and watch highlights of the um, Ole Miss game, big catches down the stretch in the fourth quarter. You go watch the Auburn game, big-time catches. He's proving to be a physical guy this year, and I honestly think he's the sleeper, the wide receiver core. I think he's a guy that people – may be hearing about them, they say, oh, well, you know, he's kind of being overshadowed by like a Jermaine or um, a Benson or a Brooks or a Bond or anything like that. But I think you need to watch out for Kendrick Law because I think he's that guy who can be in there on like a third and 10, a third and eight, a third and six, and he can get you those yards. And not only that, he has the speed. He's he's very physical. I saw him, uh, the first clip uh, from the – from the uh, post that I posted the other day of highlights from the second scrimmage, uh, Kendrick caught one, and I think it was Earl Little Jr. and I think Malachi Moore who tried to gang tackle him, and he absolutely ran over uh, Little Jr. I mean, he trucked the living crap out of him. And, you know, Earl Little's larger than him. And then also, like, I think like Malachi is as well. So, and he was just – churning those legs forward and forward and forward. So the physicality being brought back to the team overall, I mean, but I'm just saying one of my sleepers for the year under the radar guys, I'm telling you, Kendrick Law, he, he, people need 
to remember the name Kendrick Law. And if you don't, I'm just going to say you're going to find out about it soon. Yeah, man, for sure. Definitely somebody that's going to make an impact. Definitely somebody uh, that is going to make a statement, and they will. They will. And then uh, I think kind of lastly speaking, um, there's a lot of young guys to watch. You know, we've already said, you know, Justice Haynes, Caleb Downs, Caden Proctor's one to watch. I think some of the wide receivers to watch are Jalen Hell and Jared Hamilton, um, who just came in. Um, I think they're going to be good to watch. I think you also need to watch James Smith on the defensive line and Quay Rousaw. Of course, we talked a lot about those two on this podcast leading up to their commitment. They both played at Carver High School in Montgomery. Uh, James plays on, on the uh, defensive line. Qua is an outside linebacker as well. Both five stars, both the top ones at their position in the class. Um, I think getting to see those guys, I think it's going to be huge. Um, I think you're going to see some of the guys in the secondary who are younger, Earl Little Jr. Uh, you're going to see um, uh, Desmond Ricks, um, Jaleel Hurley. Um, they've really got to expand on, you know, the like I think outside of Malachi Moore, Kool Aid, and Terion and Caleb, I think that's good. But we gotta have, the, but like we gotta have guys in the second and the third positions who can come in and contribute to the rotation. So that's what I'm gonna be looking for as far as the younger guys there. And uh, I just think at the inside linebacker position too. You know, uh, Deontay Lawson is out the spring. He had uh, surgery on his shoulder. Chris Braswell for the outside linebackers is out, and so is Dallas Turner. So this is giving a lot of younger guys opportunities to step up. And I think the JUCO transfer Justin Jefferson um, at inside has um he's gonna have good good opportunities tresman marshall the transfer from georgia at inside as well uh he's a grad transfer so he adds a lot of experience to the table um you have kendrick blackshear who's an absolute freak um but i'm excited to see that i'm gonna be watching a lot of positions every position but i'm gonna be watching especially for the young guys because i really think that young guys the saban has talked about these young guys are coming in and they're gonna steal starting spots from some of these guys, and I think that just is, is is a testament, again, like I said, to how good this class is and will be. Yeah, for sure. Uh, looking, talk, talking about stealing, seeing seeing what can happen, how much a uh, you know role players can shift around, and and one guy can come come out in front as far as the lead guy. I'm I'm so excited, dude! It's going to be great. It's going to be very interesting, and and something I'm happy to see is that when you have guys like this, and you have these young guys who come in and are pushing these guys. I mean, I think that's just saying that you know every single recruit last year when they said they, you know, they came out on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, and they said like, "Hey, I'm committing to play at Alabama." Everything that they said, quote wise, about saying why they chose it, it says there's a standard at Alabama. I want to uphold that standard. I want to be a part of it. I want to be the next part of it. They were so eager to get here. And we still have three five stars that are not there yet. I mean, Keon Keeley is not there. Johanze Pierre is not there. And Richard Young is not there. So we still have some other guys to add to the class, but a lot of early enrollees from this class. I love that. They were eager to get there. I mean, Justice Haynes and Caleb Downs, on the day they signed with Alabama, officially an early signing day, were literally on campus later that afternoon practicing, like for the Sugar Bowl prep. That is incredible. I've never seen that in my life. And 
that just proves that they were ready to get to work. They were ready to start contributing to the standard. And I think the 8A game is good in a lot of ways. You know, you're in front of a crowd. Um, it's a game day feel. You know, you get some of the jitters out. Everybody gets the opportunity to play. And it really is some of these guys' times to really get their self out there, to really propel their self into a starting job, a rotational job. And, I mean, hey, look, if it comes down to it this year and we've got two freshmen starting on the offensive line, three on the defensive line, one at linebacker, two in the secondary, two at wide receiver, and one in the backfield, I don't care because that means they're the best guy for that. Uh, just because you are a senior or a junior does not automatically make you entitled to that position. you got to earn it, as Saban always says. And I think some of these guys are being pushed, and I think you're going to see some of these guys be pushed. But um, Greg McElroy said the other day, he said he loves this roster that Coach Saban has because there's a lot of veteran leadership, but there's so much young talent. And Josh Pate said it, and I'll say it here first, and Cody Saxon, you can quote me on this and hold me accountable on this. On Friday, April 21st, technically, at 12.08 a.m., this is when we are recording this, I will say I will agree with Josh Pate. If this 2023 recruiting class does not leave the capstone with at least two national championships, I will be surprised. All right. Bold statement, but high expectations and hopes. I like it. I hope four, but I'll take two. Um, but we will tell you that. So the last question as we wrap up this preview podcast for A Day, Mr. Saxon, who I just kind of said who I'm excited to see. Who are you the most excited to see in A Day? It could be a guy who you're just wanting to see play, a guy who you're wanting to see emerge, or just it could be a position group. I mean, could be a specific player, but who are you the most excited to see this Saturday in A Day? Well, I think I think one of my favorite things about A Day every year, even the ones I've seen on TV or the ones we've actually been to, um, is getting to see the skill players uh, in a scrimmage situation, uh, seeing how quick they are, how quick they can cut, uh, and then you got like obviously I think number one player Jalen Milrow. I've had a lot of I've had a lot of high hopes for him, a lot of high expectations for him. So being able to see him, um, his ball accuracy, both you know short and deep, mid range too, like. I'm excited to see overall just what our offensive weaponry looks looks like and as well as our defensive presence, man. Just the defensive awareness uh, and, and player placement um, and the play calling to see kind of maybe if we've got a few plays that are uh, new to a playbook, something we haven't seen out of these last couple of seasons. Uh, I know we've got the new coordinators, so hopefully we got some new schemes. Hopefully hints and, and previews of all that, what we can expect this upcoming season. But overall, man, I want to see Jalen Milrow make a statement. I want to see him run plays that are complementary to not only himself and his strengths, but also, you know, show showcase some of how he's improved and some of his weaknesses, and as well as showing how he's complementary with the other players on the offense. I'm excited to see that. Um, but, yeah, that's mainly the thing for me. Uh, what about you, buddy? I mean, I'm just excited to see Justice Haynes and uh, Caleb Downs. And, and uh, again, I'm excited to see the quarterback battle. I'm just ready to see, like, a good battle between the two. You know, they're encouraging each other. You know, they're improving alongside each other. So, I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see who can run the offense with the most consistency, 
who can really just take charge of the offense. As Saban always says, he's got to be that guy that takes the bull by the horns and just really gets after it. And I'm excited to see who that's going to be. Um, but I'm just also excited. I'm uh, like Justice Haynes and Caleb Downs. Like, I'm so excited to see those two guys. Uh, I'm excited to see the um, offensive line, how aggressive they're playing. Uh, I'm ready to see all of our wide receivers. I'm ready to see what we got in that whole room. Um, and, you know, I'm excited even seeing the other two quarterbacks that we got in this recruiting class, Eli Holstein and Dylan Honergan. Uh, I mean, I'm very excited about seeing those two because, I mean, hey, you never know. Jalen Hurts was the fourth string his freshman year, and in the first game of the season at USC, he was called upon, and, you know, the rest is history. By the way, for you, Mr. Saxon, I will just put this out there. Your boy Jalen Hurts is now the highest-paid player in the NFL. Yeah, buddy, secured that multi-year deal very so, and he definitely deserves it. So, again, it just proves that you can be fourth on the depth chart at Alabama starting out, but uh, you might just get your shot in the first game of the season and uh, you might just become uh, the highest paid player in NFL history after that. Um, so, just proves that you don't ever sleep on a quarterback that, you know, is a third or fourth or fifth string. Um, so, you know, it, good things can always happen. But, uh it has been great being back on here tonight, you know, after about a month hiatus um, from this and especially getting to talk f- football again. Um, we will be back here next week uh, on th- Thursday as well um, to recap the 8A game and preview the NFL draft that will be going on next Thursday night, the first round. And we'll kind of be recapping a little bit of that uh, from the first round. Uh, as well. And uh, Cody, I guess I'll ask you this uh, final question before we go. Uh, Bryce Young, first pick overall or no? If not, sure close to it, man. Um, Early first rounder, to say the least. Very high possibility he does go first. Um, We'll see, man. I I just hope he lands with the team with good management that is going to utilize his talents out the gate so that he doesn't end up I hope so as well. And, uh, you know, I think Bryce does go first overall to the Panthers. I can see Will Anderson going to potentially the Cardinals or the Falcons potentially. I got Brian Branch potentially going. Um, I heard Brian Branch to the Eagles uh, in the first round. Uh, so that's – that's. Uh, uh, I know you would enjoy that. Um, and uh, adding to the secondary they already have. And um, – I've also heard Jameer Gibbs to the Eagles as a possibility in the second round. So uh, you had Jameer Gibbs to that backfield of an offense that's already got Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith, and A.J. Brown. And um, the tight end's name slipped my mind. We've got Dallas Goddard. Um, Goddard, that is right. Yeah. So yeah, adding Gibbs to that, yeah. and I know how much you love Gibbs. Yeah, dude, if we add him, I think he fits. I think he fits the offensive scheme and what we're going for. So, so a lot of guys are watching the NFL draft, and we'll be bringing you the recap of the first round and previewing a little bit more. And then, of course, the week after that, we'll be bringing you a recap of the NFL draft entirely and previewing the 2023 season post-spring and kind of give you some updates going into the summer about um, the future of the page and uh, what we'll be covering uh, going throughout the summer. But uh, we've been so happy to be back here with you guys uh, again, and uh, we look forward to recapping A-Day and seeing what uh, will 
unfold who's going to be getting steak and who's going to be eating and then who's going to be going home eating off the paper plates and the beans. We will see if it will be the Crimson or White on Saturday at 8 a in Bryant-Denny Stadium at 2 o'clock. So all I can say is God bless. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Thank you.